Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the live podcast that brings you the very best guests in all of true crime. And uh, this is a big one. We've got massive news out of the great state of Colorado. The remains of missing mom, Suzanne Morphew, were found more than three years after she disappeared back on Mother's Day 2020. So what does this mean for the investigation? Well, we've got a former Colorado prosecutor, and you know the other face well, Scott Duffy. Uh, right into the uh, best guest intro, Scott Duffy is a retired FBI supervisory special agent of the Wilmington, Delaware office. He worked violent crime matters, gangs, bank robberies, homicides. I did that for 20 years uh, before being promoted supervisor. And he spent five and a half years uh, prior to that as a Commonwealth of Pennsylvania police officer. So uh, he knows the inside out uh, of the investigative world. And then we've got Jeremy Lowe, a former Colorado state public defender turned Colorado Springs criminal defense attorney. He has aggressively represented thousands of clients in Colorado in all aspects of criminal defense, domestic violence defense, and personal injury law. Not a lot of people can say this. That prior to his legal practice, Jeremy worked in politics in Washington, D.C., not for one, but for two different United States presidents. And then uh, we had a third best guest scheduled, Kurt Simpson, who goes by AK. Uh, he is founder of the nonprofit Hope Rocks, which is a uh, bit comprised of hundreds of volunteers. They basically crowdsource uh, investigation data. Uh, he was going to join us, but had a last minute emergency, so was unable to do so. A uh, quick reminder, please, um, if you can support us on Patreon or become a YouTube member. The COE is on my case. It's a lot of work. Uh, that we're putting in. And if you can't do that, if you can give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, it would be much appreciated. Before we dig into the nuts and bolts of this, from both the legal and investigative angles, a quick recap. So uh, a lot of you are familiar with this story. Uh, Suzanne Morphew goes missing Mother's Day 2020. Uh, her two daughters at the time uh, were out of town on a camping trip. Uh, they texted her mother, like any good daughters would, wishing her a happy Mother's Day. And when they never uh, don't hear back, uh, daughter Mallory tells dad Barry that they can't reach their mom. So Barry reaches out to a neighbor, asks if Suzanne's mountain bike is there. Some people said that he specifically was asking for that to sort of set the scene for what happened. Uh, that is debatable, and we'll get into some of those issues. Uh, Barry Morphew, according to reports, does not head home immediately. Instead, he drops off a shovel and some other tools for his co-workers. He was a landscaper, is a landscaper at a hotel where he had booked rooms for uh, both his workers and himself. And he begins driving home a few minutes past 6 p.m. Suzanne's last known proof of life photo was a selfie she sent uh, on May 9th, the day before, around 2 p.m., to her then lover with whom she was texting, he was ruled out. Uh, he was living in Michigan. His name is Jeff Libler, a high school friend who she had reconnected with uh, on Facebook. So that brings us to present day. First and most obvious question to Jeremy Lowe in Colorado. Uh, how stunned were you to hear this news that they actually found her remains? And uh, what's the buzz like in Colorado? 
you know, it's actually really shocking that they found the remains and where they found the remains. They found the remains, you know, 100 miles away from where the original, um, where she originally went missing. And so people are absolutely shocked that they were able to find her remains. Obviously, very little has been released about what they have found. Um, all they have really said, uh, the CBI and the sheriff's office in Sawatch County, is that they found uh, remains with her DNA on it. Mm. Uh, big, big uh, development. Uh, Scott Duffy, I know, uh, you know, you've been following the case, catching up on what you didn't know. So Colorado Bureau of Investigation confirms that the remains found in Sawatch County, which is how I believe you pronounce it. Someone wrote that to me to let me know. Uh, again, are those of Suzanne Morphew. And uh, per the Denver Gazette, which has been doing great reporting on this, they say that a second person's remains were also found uh, scattered uh, around here. Right off the bat, Scott, you know, I'm not an investigator, you are, but when I heard uh, a second set of human remains were found, that immediately, uh, you know, made me think twice because people have been pointing the finger at the husband all along. Um, you know, I know we're not on the inside of this investigation, but preliminarily from what we're finding out, does it sound to you like these two sets of remains were connected by the same perpetrator, possibly? Not, not so sure about the second part of that with regards to the same perpetrator, but I, from, from what I have read, the, the remains of Suzanne were found unrelated to the investigation going on, which, which I found pretty intriguing. So they must, something brought them to that as opposed to a, a passerby, a hiker or somebody who's, you know, walking these trails that are probably rarely walked upon or whatever. And, and then somebody finds a shallow grave or something and, um, and notifies the authorities. And, and so it does, like Jeremy said, there's so little that's provided by law enforcement. So it's, it's even more intriguing and, and begs the question, was it totally unrelated? In other words, were they conducting an investigation totally unrelated to the current uh, charges of homicide against uh, Barry and, and then come across this second uh, set of remains. So, I, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'd like to know more about what is this place. And, you know, just I'm not a big believer in, you know, coincidences and circumstances that, hey, we – happen to find one set of remains of a victim, whether it be of homicide or not, um, and then came across uh, the remains of a three-year-old uh, case. So it's w whether or not it's the same perpetrator or it just so happens to be that there might be another um, angle that we, we have yet to explore. By the way, if one show is not enough for you, real quick, Jeremy, an hour and 45 minutes, there'll be a second show on the uh, – Upcoming Charlie Adelson trial. We've got John Singer, good Lori Hellis, and Tim Jansen covering that. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, I just want to follow up on that. It, it would be really obviously helpful to know whether we're who the CBI Colorado Bureau of Investigations was 
investigating, right? Why, what tip led them to this area? I mean, they're, we're talking about very, very remote areas. I, the population of Sawatch County itself is probably less than 10,000 people. I don't know if you have any researchers can look it up really quick, but a very small population over what is a very large area. So this is literally finding a needle in a haystack, right? So some kind of tip must have led them to this kind of remote uh, county to find not only one, but two remains. So it kind of begs the question, what are we dealing with here, right? Are we dealing with um, a deranged husband or are we dealing with something bigger than that? Somebody who's somewhat potentially even a serial killer where they're burying remains all at the same location. And so it's really early, but these are the questions that kind of need to be answered and the community needs to be notified because we need to know if there's somebody at large. Uh, that's a great point, Jeremy. I mean, we just put up a map just to kind of give you an idea where she was last seen as opposed to where she was found. This is obviously a Google satellite uh, image and Suzanne uh, on the left-hand side there. Uh, Jeremy, um, you know, did you, that's what caused me to pause for a minute is when I heard about the second set of remains. Um, that, you know, instinctually, I guess, it, it's leading me to believe that maybe something bigger than just a uh, scorned husband is at play here. Um, because just to your point, I mean, it's such a remote area. What are the chances of finding two sets of remains within such close proximity of each other, right? I mean, you know this area much better, but and you're also a former prosecutor. What do you think the chances are of finding two sets of remains? Yeah, it's just, it's almost, well, I'm not going to say it's unheard of because it happens, right? We've seen killers throughout time go to the exact same location that they feel no one's going to be, um, no one's going to find remains um, and continue to bury their victims in these places because they're confident that if they put them here, they won't be found. And something has led the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and law enforcement to these locations. And so I just can't, I, I don't think I can articulate enough how remote these areas are. You know, they're San Diego Cristo Mountains. It's just so, it's just very remote. And the fact that they found not one, by, but two is just really shocking. Mm. Uh, by the way, Maureen Walsh uh, adding here, they were looking for Edna Quintana, who went missing back in May after she went on a hike in that area and was never found. We don't know uh, the identity of the second set of remains as far as I know. Uh, Caro, who's been following this case, case closely as a friend of the show, apparently 68 and a half miles apart. Uh, Scott Duffy to you. So what we do know is that Suzanne Morphew's remains are now currently at the El Paso County Coroner's Office where an autopsy is being performed. Um, and according to the Denver Gazette, two different pieces of uh, factual information here, uh, the field where the remains of Suzanne Morphew were found and this second person uh, is 
30 to 40 miles from the Morphew family home where she was last seen on May 10th, 2020. So to the first one first about the remains at the El Paso coroner's office, uh, you've been inside those coroner office, coroner's offices. What are they doing with those remains right now to, you know, they've identified her, but what are they doing to advance the investigation right now? On, on both sets, are you talking or with I'm talking to, well, Suzanne Morphew for the yeah, sake yeah. of this show. Uh, yeah. So this this is, first of all, fantastic news for law enforcement because, you know, I was reading through the 129-page affidavit, fantastic, very detailed uh, investigation. And yet, as, as Jeremy can show otherwise or say a lot more to it, to prosecute a no-body homicide is difficult. You know, to prosecute a homicide in and of itself is difficult. And then to prosecute a no-body homicide um, you know, that's just an extra hurdle for investigators to get over. They made it, and and so thereby the charges. But with now you have the remains and you have the identification, the positive identification. Now you you you've removed that hurdle. And so there's a lot to be coroners can can determine a lot from that. And it all depends what are how badly decomposed the remains, whether it was a shallow grave, whether, you know, there's animal, uh, whatever it is that that three years of being out in such a remote area can do with all the elements and weather. But, you know, without a body, there's always, hey, how did the homicide take place? Was it a strangulation? Was it this? Was it that? Was it a shooting? Was it a stabbing? So this, this, having the remains can help now advance. If, if a shooting was always believed to have been the result of the homicide as a, as a result of, of the guns being found, uh, perhaps, uh, that bullet itself is in that area. Perhaps, um, if, if she was shot anywhere where it would take a, uh, um, whether it be through, through the skull or, or through a bone that, you know, you, you're able to say, okay, now we have uh, the cause of homicide, right? Because it's, um, that's, that's very important as well. So it's just tremendous for, for law enforcement. Um, and especially with regards to the family being able to lay to rest. And uh, Jeremy, you've obviously been on both sides of the legal fence uh, prosecution and now, uh, you know, criminal defense. Um and the state was going to prosecute Barry Morphew and then uh, basically did a 180. But um, these remains, again, according to the Denver Gazette, and there's been some discussion about precisely where the remains were found. But according to the Denver Gazette, uh, roughly 30 to 40 miles from the Morphew family home. Um, again, Barry Morphew told police that he drove off that morning for a landscaping job in, Broomf- in Broomfield at 5 a.m., uh, we'll get into some more of the details because the defense is already saying that uh, his GPS on his car uh, didn't show him being anywhere near Sawatch County, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But um, what would the state have to do now in terms of, 
you know, figuring out a timeline, if it was even possible for Barry Morphy to be where these remains were now found in the window of time that was available to him. Right. So I just want to go back to just one other previous question. I was just doing a little research. This Sawatch County is um, 3,000 square miles. And to put that into perspective, if you combined uh, Delaware and Rhode Island, it's still bigger than those two states combined. And it has a total of 6,000 people in the entire county. So we're talking about a massive area with a very little population. So there's some kind of evidence, um, some kind of statement, something that people knew about that led law enforcement to this specific site. Okay, that, so yeah, I, I that's just a great point. There's, there's just no, Scott. Do you agree? There's no way that law enforcement would just come upon this in the middle of absolute nowhere. Do you agree with? You agree with Jeremy? I, I agree with Jeremy in the sense that it, it, you know, for name a case, if, if, if somebody can do the research to see how, what are the odds? I mean, I could understand if this was within a square mile of where they had been checking for the last three years, but. When, you know, for someone like me who who's only been to Colorado once, but to to understand, once you start going outside, um, and then you're talking with with what Jeremy's talking, just three thousand square miles, and it's uh, it is unfathomable, and it would make more sense that something, whether it be an intercepted prison call or whether it be there's ongoing negotiations and and I've seen plenty. Hey, you uh you tell us where the body's found to give the, the family what they need, there will then be some sort of consideration for you. So all all that seems like it could be in play, but I am throwing off and I'm not sure if it's just what 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 law enforcement's saying by by saying it was an unrelated search. I just uh I got to believe there was something added to that with, with, with regards to this. And, and Jeremy, before I, you know, I know we kind of cut you off there. We didn't mean to, but Southern Charmed right here. How long before Barry is charged, followed by MC Spunky, Barry needs to go down. However, I'd like you to address this. Um, you know, we're not going to be fan favorites with STS Nation. They're all pointing the finger at this husband. But now with these remains being found and where they're found, in your opinion, do we all need to take a deep breath here and reassess uh, potential other suspects at this point? You know, I, I hate to answer this question because <laughs> I know that my answer is going to uh, upset your, your uh, listeners. But here, here's to answer the first question, how long till Barry Morphew's charged? I'm going to answer this from a legal perspective, not from a law enforcement or um, crime perspective. And the reason why I'm answering it from a legal perspective is the district attorney's offices that are prosecuting this case, and because the body was found in Sawatch County, we really have a jurisdictional argument, right? Is it prosecuted by the 12th, uh, tw uh, the 12th um, Judicial District, which is in Sawatch County, or the 11th, which is in Fremont Chafee County. So whatever judicial district decides to take up the case and prosecute it, if it's Barry Morphew, 
from the minute they start prosecuting that case again, the time clock starts on speedy trial. Because they had dismissed the case without prejudice, that doesn't take away Barry Morphew's speedy trial rights. And so they need to be very prepared um, to prosecute this case immediately. And so I think um, it's going to be quite some time before he's actually charged. Because if they rush to charge him and his attorneys, who we know we people may not like, but are very good, they're prepared to go on this case. And they will be prepared, even more prepared to go on this case, right? Because evidence is still released to them. Just because the case is closed, they're still entitled to evidence that comes through on the case. So they're going to get this evidence and they're going to be they're going to be preparing for trial. And so before the prosecution decides to charge and that speedy trial clock starts again, the prosecution needs to have their ducks in a row or the case could get dismissed based upon speedy trial. I don't know how long is left, but you have to be careful. And uh, a lot of people are asking me, what is the source of this? I'm reading this right off of the Denver Gazette. Suzanne Morphew and a second person's were remains. Suzanne Morphew and a second person's remains were found scattered in a dry, high desert field south of the town of Moffat, Friday, September 22nd. Uh, so this is coming directly here from uh, the Denver Gazette. Sometimes reporting is wrong, so we have to be careful. But uh, that is where I'm getting that information from because people like Maui Swift and a lot of others are saying, I've not heard about this. What is the source? The source is uh, the Denver Gazette. And uh, we've had the reporter on, Carolyn McKinley, uh, on the show before, and she is a veteran reporter. I would be stunned for one if she was incorrect about that, uh, but who knows? Um, this is now the second comment I'm seeing um, regarding this from Mo Hartman that Sawatch is a dumping ground for murder victims. Uh, Jeremy, you're in that neck of the woods. Are you familiar with this being a dumping ground? Even if it was, it you know, you could say the same of the Sonoran Desert, which is where I worked in Tucson, Arizona. And that's like finding a needle in a haystack too. But uh, do you know it to be a dumping ground? You know, I don't, but with its remoteness, you, your listeners would know best. And for some reason, it's one of the biggest serial killers in our U.S. history. But who was a serial killer that was dumping bodies all over Colorado, right? Colorado Bundy? has... Yeah, Bundy, it Bundy? he has... Yeah. It, it is a massive state with a relatively low population, right? There's, I think, 6 million people in the entire state, and the state is huge. So there are, quote-unquote, dumping grounds, unfortunately, all over. Um, the population of Colorado lives along the front range. So it's a very small area where almost all the population of the state lives. So for a body to be dumped everywhere could potentially be a dumping ground uh, in the state. And Scott, so again, we've mentioned it, but can't hurt to do it again. The remains were located during an unrelated search of the area, which is interesting. So again, the chances of finding 
the second set of remains being Suzanne Morpheus would be uh, next to impossible or, you know, the odds are very low. Uh, specific information is uh, still being withheld, um, such as where the remains were found exactly. Uh, and the CBI, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, came out with this statement uh Scott Duffy, who's formerly of the FBI, investigators were searching in the area of Moffitt in Sawatch County on an investigation not related to the Morphew disappearance, disappearance when the remains were dis- were discovered. Um, we're beating a dead horse a little bit, but just reading that quote, do you see anything in there since you used to be on the other side of the fence here uh, that, I don't know, that piques your interest? Yeah, not not related. And, and the, it's... It is, I, I don't think they would say not related if there was absolutely no connection. But, you know, maybe it's just um, they, they don't want the, the, uh, the fanfare and the speculations of this and that somebody working in concert or there's somebody totally different than, than Barry Morphew who, who could have done this. It's, and, and the fact that if, if one of your listeners, um, uh, who had mentioned this this hiker? If 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 that is the person that they were actually searching for, who had gone missing in in um, May, like I don't if if that's true, it'd be interesting to know a little bit more of the facts surrounding that. In other words, just like uh, Suzanne's supposed to go missing after biking, right? And and the many other um, stories that were told by Barry, but. Uh, then, then you have this person who also supposed to have gone hiking. Was she hiking? Or if, if, if the, uh, the facts bear out with regards to this is who investigators were looking for. And then, you know, here we are several, you know, how many months later since that disappearance, what exactly were, were investigators doing? Is this, was this a criminal, um, search an investigation or is it uh, hey investigators are are acting on a tip of the the hiker might have been there or there was another search party uh just just um getting together to to conduct a more thorough search so th- this is definitely raising a lot more questions and and f- just for them to say not related um you know just uh It'd be very difficult to. Scott's to basically saying they should have just omitted the uh, not related part because now that's drawn attention. Uh, by the way, it's sad. Just to follow up on. Sorry. Go ahead, Barry. Sorry, no, go. Sorry. I mean, go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead. To follow up. Yeah, I can't call me Barry. Um, sorry about that. I was reading the word <laughs> to Barry. Go ahead. On what, what Scott was saying a little bit earlier, too. Uh, the. Um, the fact that there, this could be something the reason they got this information could also be from a either a jailhouse informant. A lot of times people sitting in cells like to talk and unfortunately tell their quote unquote crime stories, their war stories. And it could very easily be a snitch saying, Hey, so-and-so told me that he killed somebody and there's a body buried here, or he put the remains here because People in prisons and in jails, they absolutely like to talk about what they did. Uh, the other thing about this is law enforcement could have tapped Barry Morphew's phone, right? 
we don't know that just because the case was dismissed, it doesn't mean that the investigation stopped, right? They obviously can't listen to calls between he and his lawyer, but if they get a warrant to listen to calls, there potentially could be that as well. So there are a lot of ways that this people could have been directed to this area, but what I am certain of is that somebody was directed to this area. That, that's uh, interesting. How hard is it, Jeremy, legally to get a uh, search warrant to, to tap Barry Morphew's phone if that's what happened? You know, I think that it, it was a lot harder before 9-11, right? But after 9-11, um, we obviously kind of loosened the laws that allow people, uh, the government to tap our phones. Um, so it, abs- it absolutely can. I mean, we have Lorna just was talking about ping data. A ping data is essentially a search of a phone, right? And so the search of a phone or the tapping of a phone or the tapping of a device is absolutely possible, uh, plausible. With that being said, I think, and you know, a lot of your listeners talk about ping data, but, and Lorna's point is accurate. Was there any of his ping data in that area? From what I'm remembering, it wasn't. It was Broomfield, right? But yeah, that doesn't I- necessarily exonerate him. That doesn't mean that he wasn't traveling with the body. It doesn't mean that he didn't hire somebody else to do something. You know, just because it he he's not there himself or his phone's not there, it's it doesn't make it that he had no part of it. I'm not saying that he did. I'm just saying that it's we don't know. Uh, we don't know a lot at this point, and I think uh, the point that Scott is making is now uh, the the water, the proverbial waters are muddied even more with this now second set of remains. At least it is for me, and I think for Scott too. And um, the defense is saying, uh, as Jeremy just alluded to, that Barry's phone did not ping anywhere near this area. I'll get to it uh, in my little show rundown here in a little bit. But um, you know, as far as evidentiary value. Uh, They're saying that neither his truck nor his phone had any data suggesting it was anywhere near uh, the area where these remains were found. I was going to say before that it is tragic because there's just too many of these stories. And one of them that we've been covering is Rachel Morin, the mom of five who disappeared, uh, I should say was murdered on a Maryland hiking trail and the suspect disappeared. Well, uh, Monday night, quick programming note, we've got the attorney for Rachel Morin's family, one of Rachel Morn's family members, as well as Rachel Morn's best friend. And I'm going to invite my friend Scott Duffy back on. Uh, he's been following that case uh, to join us. So uh, that is a very, very jam-packed show. And I'd like Mr. Duffy to come on as the voice of reason as an investigator on that show. Uh, the Chaffee County Sheriff, John Speezy, if I'm saying it correctly, uh, He said, although locating Suzanne's remains is a critical component of this investigation and for her family, we are left with many more questions than answers, which is literally what Scott Duffy just said. And then um, Iris Aton, who uh, Jeremy will tell you is a well-known defense attorney, and she represents uh, Barry Morphew. She says, Barry is with his daughters, and they're all struggling with immense shock and grief after learning today, this was from last week, uh, released today, I believe, or yesterday, that their mother and wife, whom they deeply love, was found deceased. From what we know, Barry is as innocent as he was from day one. Uh, Jeremy, what stood out to me about this 
was this expression at the bottom from what we know Barry is as innocent as he was from day one. That's kind of strange wording, isn't it? You know, that statement, one, I'm surprised it was made. Uh, mm. It doesn't further the defense's ball, right? It doesn't help Barry Morphew. Um, and then that line, from what we know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I read it and I thought to myself, this, this can't be... This can't be right. I, I don't understand. As a matter of fact, one of your listeners sent it to me and I, I just, I read it a number of times and I, I thought, how, why is it from what we know? Like you, you, it's not your job to talk about what we know. Who is we, right? Is it the the lawyers, the legal team? Is it Barry himself? I mean, it could have easily been removed and just said Barry's as innocent as he was from day one. I'm not sure why they would have included that. And that is, you know, I've thought more about that that line than almost anything else because it's just such a weird thing to say. And this is not an attorney who who says things that don't need to be said, right? She has a point for every word that goes into that statement. Yeah, um, I found that super curious. The statement is actually a lot longer. Uh, Iris Aton goes on to say that D.A. Stanley and law enforcement got it wrong. We hope the authorities will quickly admit their wrongful persecution of Barry, an innocent man, to treat the Morphews like the victims they are and charge the person or persons responsible for Suzanne's killing. The Morphews would appreciate their privacy during this deeply emotional and personal time. Um, Scott, to you, um, does that sound a little, I'll put it back up here real quick. Does this sound weird to you from a defense attorney? From what we know, Barry is as innocent as he was from day one. Why didn't they just say Barry is as innocent as he was from day one? Yeah, and I'm trying to read that. Is there is there a comma misplaced or what what are the three dots? What what was the the COE um, never makes mistakes. No, that's that's good. basically the gist of it. And by the way, I would say best guess, better community, STS Nation reaching out to Jeremy to send them. Now there's no real mistake in that. Um that is the context. So it's uh it's odd. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean so let's take it out of print and just you know, every, every defense attorney is going to defend their client and, and just keep keep uh, uh, waving the flag. Hey, there's nothing to see here. And this is not something to add to um, additional evidence against our client. But but it's going to vindicate our client as a result of, of especially with what we know now being being so far and and nothing particularly. It, yeah. So law enforcement has has some additional things to, to go over, but they still have something that they didn't have um, within the last three years. And now that's, that's a body. And uh, so, so there is tremendous amount of forensic investigation, not to uh, um, that I imagine will go beyond that of the coroner to, to determine what they can as to, uh, anything that was transferred, I don't know if there was clothing uh, that was recovered at the scene, and and so there's still a lot of mystery that surrounds it. 
and and of course what ultimately led law enforcement to this area to to search for this unrelated and yet additional set of remains so um there yeah there's i mean it's no doubt there are questions but i i imagine too just can't forget what law enforcement had originally and and going through that affidavit it looks like there was a lot there to to meet a probable cause statement and and to to arrest him and then of course as like anything as as Jeremy knows it's it's not it's not the easy part but for law enforcement to take all their their collective reports and evidence and supplements and put it together and say we believe this to be a probable cause theory this is what happened and uh and then of course a district attorney says uh, yeah there is but but going as i went past to uh, uh back to the um district attorney and the sheriff's original press conference of the arrest you know the the district attorney was saying now our work begins and and then obviously as they've had to dismiss the case um in hopes of getting you know a, a additional evidence to to prove it in court i you know we'll we'll see what happens with with what the remains bear out uh evidence wise i and just uh, want to remind though yeah. the viewers that the first prosecutor on this case did not file the case it wasn't until a new prosecutor was elected that she came in and decided she wanted to file the case. And the other thing to, to, that is, can cut both ways for Barry Morphew, um, and just a side note, my understanding is that the Morphew family was not notified uh, prior to a press release being um, released about the remains. So there's a very contentious relationship with law enforcement, the prosecution, and um, Barry Morphew and his family. And it's even more exemplified by the fact that the Morphew family is currently suing 150 people associated with this case. And so that is something I'm, I've never really heard of that in a uh, criminal arena, but they're essentially suing for malicious prosecution. And so the fact that they found the remains opens Barry Morphew up to 150 depositions from people trying to defend their case. And so with the civil case and now the remains in the criminal case, uh, Mr. Morphew is absolutely opening himself up to be indicted again on this murder. Wow, that's very interesting. Uh, So he's... Uh, I didn't know he was being quite litigious. I didn't realize the number was that high. But uh, again, as Jeremy just said, it opens him up to uh, being deposed um, and potentially getting uh, critical information. Maui Swift has been a friend of the show from day one. Uh, Part of the evidence in the arrest affidavit is Barry's phone and truck data. He had a lot of suspicious behavior throughout the night before she was reported missing behavior. uh, He lied about. So, uh, to Jeremy's point, I'm sure they're going to go back and uh, look at all of this stuff. Now, one of the other people that weighed in, uh, and you just heard that 
Jeremy said the family was not notified, but found out through a press release. But the sister, Suzanne Morphew's older sister, uh, spoke out, uh, spoke to the Denver Gazette again. Um, and here's the quote. Let me just get rid of this comment here. Um, Melinda Mormon Balzer is her name. Suzanne's oldest sister, older sister. This is just a, a small little snippet. A lot more will be revealed in time. We will be patient and trust the process. Jeremy, what are you reading into this? It sounds here like she knows a lot more than we do. It sounds to me like she's being updated on the investigation. Um, obviously, with Barry filing all these lawsuits, I think she wants to be careful that she's not making statements and then dragged in to a lawsuit, right? Um, but again, it sounds like they've been updated by the Colorado Bureau of Investigations and law enforcement um, about what's going on. And there's a lot more out there that we just don't know about. I think that is kind of the theme of this show. There's a lot going on with this case that is being really hush-hush. You know, I told you I was going to reach out to an investigator, see if he wanted to uh, join me uh, on the show. Um, he was with CBI, and he immediately said, sorry, I can't have any part of this right now. Yeah, by the way, we reached out to retired FBI agent Johnny Grusing is a bit of a legend in Colorado. And uh, he's still, while he's retired, is working this case, um, I, you know, I believe. And so he, uh, you know, mum is the word from him. He's not allowed to talk about it at all. Um, the so, person I reached out to is a retired homicide detective from Colorado Springs, so one of the top homicide detectives. And he's involved somehow and said, I, I just can't be involved in this podcast well johnny said when he's able to he's definitely going to come on um and he will speak about a kcl joining us from salt lake city uh she's on top of this case as well that quote about barry and his daughters from iris aton was given on denver seven news so uh, maybe it was in the heat of the moment maybe it was not written and they just quoted it from the news and that's why uh there's that little bit of a defense attorney's error in there that would make sense um, Scott, to you, uh, one of the other, there are a lot of questions now to Jeremy's point. This raises a whole lot more questions and it probably does answers, but I put this in bold for you. So this is a new County now, Sawwich County. So, um, according to reports that I've been reading, it's going to be a new team of investigators joining the original group, uh, previously from Chafee County, um, and some of the other counties, I guess, that were involved, um, and there is a quote in one of the papers. It will become a joint effort between every investigative agency which has any interest in the case. Salwich County Sheriff Dan Warwick told the Denver Gazette. I didn't know that this is starting. I, I don't know that this is starting over, but I can say that we are getting fresh eyes on the case. Um, I would assume from your perspective, it's a good thing that it's getting fresh eyes, but can can also be. Um, you know, like a battle of egos potentially between different agencies here now? Yeah, I wouldn't say a battle of egos, but definitely you're adding more uh, to the mix. And and so the original investigators, both active and retired, right, or I've moved on into other things, um, they're, it, it, 
there's no doubt when a case is yours from the beginning and you have uh, you're following the evidence and 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 of course it's you got your ups and your downs like any other case and and knowing that this case like many of these other cases that have received this this tremendous amount of media attention really does put a lot of stress and pressure on on everybody involved but they don't want to get it wrong and they're not they don't want to make make a move unless it's absolutely justified and the evidence is going to prove itself and and so now here we are 3 years brand new evidence has come with the with the, with the idea of the remains and now a whole new set of as Jeremy talked earlier two jur- at least two jurisdictions and who knows everything anything in between that's not being said yet that uh um you know First of all, you have this whole other investigation that's technically unrelated. Um, but regardless of them being unrelated, they're now meshed together. And, and so I think as more comes out publicly with regards to the evidence or, or to, to what the second set of remains and what the investigation was, whether it was a foul play involved or simply somebody who, um, went lost hiking as that starts to come out if we're if we're talking about another homicide you know that the likelihood that they're totally disjointed disconnected and have nothing to do with each other yet to be found relatively close to each other and and correct me if i'm wrong are they somewhat in the same area or or are we talking a distance between the two sets of remains. I, I haven't, heard I, I don't anything. think we know the answer to that for sure, but it sounds like that they were discovered almost simultaneously, which would lead you to believe that they were in close proximity. But um, I think the bottom line is only investigators really know the answer. Um, Bugsy yeah. here says, by the way, I call the COE bugs. So it's a good name. Uh, Suzanne said she did not feel safe uh, home alone with Barry and a text to her friend. He did it again. Uh, Jeremy, you see, uh, Court of Public Opinion is convicting uh, this person already. Pharaoh Gamma, uh, also to Jeremy's earlier point, could there have been an accomplice who has been burned? And that is uh, figuratively, not literally, because I read it literally at first. But could there have been an accomplice who has been burned, uh, sentenced, and is now squealing like a chipmunk, reference to Barry Morphew, to escape prosecution to make a deal uh, what say you, Jeremy? I think uh, you already alluded to the fact that this is a, an affirmative. Absolutely. I think that uh, people turn, I mean, we're not dealing with upstanding people. We're dealing with murderers, right? If you're willing to kill somebody, you're willing to do pretty much, you know, anything and anything to save your own butt. Um, going back to your previous point about the new team of investigators, I, I disagree with that. Um, there will not be a new team of investigators. Here's why. None of the jurisdictions that we're dealing with had the resources, the manpower, the money to really be investigating this case, right? When you have a county of 6,000 people, you know, you don't have the drones, the, the fingerprint analysis, the all of this. What Colorado Bureau of Investigation has really taken the lead and they are going to be the individuals who continue to take the lead uh, on this. Um, and back to your point, uh, back to the question about the 
court of public opinion. You know, in the United States, fortunately, we do have the presumption of innocence. And if the case was that much of a slam dunk, they wouldn't have dropped it, but they dropped it. And so the court of public opinion is much different than the court of law. And so if Barry Morphew did it or didn't do it, that doesn't change much about whether he is going to be found guilty in the court. And I always go back to the O.J. Simpson case. In the court of public opinion, there was no doubt in anybody's mind that O.J. Simpson committed that murder, right? But in the court of law, there was doubt. And so I think that we need to be very cognizant of making rash decisions about charging again, because the last thing you want is if you're confident that he, that Mr. Morphew did commit this, is to not have everything lined up this time so you can absolutely get a conviction. Because we don't want another situation where, with like OJ, where someone who probably did it is back on the street. Uh, Scott, I have something teed up from you from the great Cheryl McCollum, but this is a legal question here um, for Jeremy uh, from Paul. Would the fact that her body was found in a different county mean that previously inadmissible evidence due to not being declared in disclosure could now be admitted? Smart audience. You know, that's a great question. So the reason, a lot of the reason why um, the evidence was withheld or allowed um was we were told that it couldn't be uh admitted was because the prosecution withheld it they were just not just uh, complying with the rules and so um if there's something that absolutely ties barry morphew to this uh murder with this newly found evidence um all of the old evidence that was excluded could absolutely be uh relitigated the other thing that's really important to note about this case, the judge that was on it is now off. He's retired. He's no longer on the bench. Um, and the judge who would handle this case in Fremont County um, ran against the district attorney and lost. And now she's has the judge spot. So, you know, it may be hard for that judge to go in and say, I'm going to overturn all of these uh, prior rulings by the judge based upon new evidence found, it doesn't necessarily take away what uh, violations the prosecution had, but any new evidence could absolutely reopen the case, obviously, and lead to new rulings. I just don't know what a judge would do in this case. And by the way, what Jeremy said earlier really stuck with me is that just because they dropped the case doesn't mean they stopped the investigation. So they could, you know, it's very likely that they've been investigating Barry this entire time and got new information. Um, this is a very difficult question from another friend of the show, old lady Snoop. Uh, Scott, to you, uh, will the family be able to get Suzanne at some reasonable point for the memorial and burial, or is she going to be held hostage in a morgue for years, like J.J. and Tylee, that is uh, from the Lori Valadebel saga, who are still not home. Uh, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. 
on what the remains are and that they, what is it, investigators and that, and I, when I talk investigators, I'm talking to everybody from, you know, the medical examiner to, to every aspect of forensic science. So I don't, I, I just, at the end of the day, I don't know what the final question or final answer will be, but they should be able to get what they need. Um, and then of course they're going to be in constant contact with whoever is deemed the, 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 the family liaison and, and getting their input. So, you know, my, my thought would be if the family is saying, and whoever, whoever is the spokesperson for the family that law enforcement is connecting with to say, you, you do what you need to do to ensure that at the end of the day, justice is served and whatever evidence could be obtained. So it, it may take a while, but I, you know, I, I, generally speaking, law enforcement can do its job, get what they need, and then turn the remains to the family in order to have a burial. And if there were to be something where they need to exhume the bodies later, then so be it. But they should be able to get what they need in a, in a reasonable amount of time. And uh, we the just next gotta... extent of this case, though, is Barry and his daughters. That's who. That's who the legal next to kin is. That's who's entitled to the body, right? So, releasing the body is releasing the body to Barry and his daughters. And we all know um, that his daughters stood by him through thick and thin on this case. And so, even if they don't want to release it to Barry because he's a suspect, it then goes to the daughters. And that's interesting. And I was just going to get to a comment about that, which I will in a minute. But uh, KCL from Salt Lake, uh, Scott, this is interesting. Death investigators say to sift the dirt where Suzanne's uh, body was found for her fingernails. They'll be able to check if Barry's DNA. I think that the bottom line question is here. If, you know, they found the fingernails on the hand, they're obviously going to be looking at that because Barry did have scratch marks, right? I mean, they're going to use as much of the remains as they can for evidentiary value. Correct, Scott? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt, especially today, it, it seems like now every, every year DNA is just making tremendous inroads with regards to modernizing and just whatever it is that they're able to do. But, but any expert will also tell you that, you know, time is not their friend. And so you have three years and that's not to say that the remains were in this spot for three years. It might have moved. I, you know, hopefully investigators have some better idea. It's possible that the remains were were um, placed somewhere and then subsequently were moved. So it, 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 all those things, and I and and forensics can help say, especially right around the body. Hey, perhaps there's dirt that's not uh, um, from that area. And so it comes from, you know, it's amazing what evidence, transfer of evidence, um, you know, hairs, fibers, DNA, a lot of trace evidence that hopefully will, will give some answers to, you know, what law enforcement is saying, a, a whole bunch more questions. Uh, by the way, this person says uh, Barry's DNA on her is not compelling. They live together and could have touched at any time, which is an interesting take. But um, and this is for Jeremy. And by no means, I don't want to throw the uh, 
the daughters under the bus because they're grieving, obviously. And but they did stand by the father. Um, Debbie Boyd says, I am more than disappointed in Suzanne's daughters. Macy lied in the last interview about problems between Barry and Suzanne. They were having problems. She wanted a divorce uh, as her then boyfriend told police that she told him uh, there were problems. But um, the bigger question, uh, Jeremy, in your you know defense or prosecutorial uh, days, um, would you tend to see, you know, the children stand by the father and mother if they were suspects in a murder? Like, is that typical? Uh, certainly not typical if they were suspected of murdering the, the spouse, right? You know, that was one of the surprising elements of this, of everything, you know, to see them bond their father out of jail because he was being held and then he was released on bond uh, after a preliminary hearing, um, to see the daughters walk out. Uh, with with Barry or even bond him out, it was it was really surprising to me. Um, I, I I just remember that picture and thinking, this doesn't again this this whole case is just one weird thing after another, and so I just I don't understand uh, the daughters sticking by unless they're. 100% confident that their father had nothing to do with this. Um, so it's another kind of conundrum that I, I have I have with this whole situation. Yeah, we and we saw that in the Lori Val Daybell trial. Chad Daybell's kids were interviewed and, uh, you know, stood by Chad. So it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's tough to tell. Um, you know, there's always that factor, that variable. You just don't know how family is going to react. But um, in this case, uh, we do know that they're standing by their father, uh, the Morphew daughters. Casey Elegant Barry said he thought Suzanne ran off and started a new life in another country with a new lover. Well, now we have the facts and Barry can no longer claim that it's uh, that can, can no longer claim that it's victim shaming. Time's going to tell. Um, Scott, this is what I wanted to come to. So I had a great Pleasure of meeting Cheryl Mack McCollum, a current crime scene investigator for the Atlanta PD. She's even cooler in person than uh, she is when we have her on the show. I love her. She's just a great person. Uh, She tweeted out today, Scott Duffy, uh, and said, On Nancy Grace today, I talk about the importance of the clothing that would be found with Suzanne Morphew's remains. The last selfie photo shows the bathing suit she was wearing. If she was killed shortly after this photo, she will be wearing the swimsuit. Remember, her husband stated to police she was sleeping when he left. So uh, are there pajamas or day clothes if the murder occurred after she woke up and got ready for the day? The clothing or lack of will be a money tree. What say uh, seasoned investigator Scott Duffy about that? I say I would love to work a case with Mac. I, I likewise just love meeting her in person after being on your, your show uh, just a couple of weeks prior to. I, I, I totally agree with that. It would really be interesting to see what is what was found with the remains um, and clothing is is essential. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, were, was this a shallow grave or were these remains that were strewn about almost like in a killing field of just where 
where evidence is tossed and and the perpetrator or the uh, the dumper believes they'll never be found because it's so rural and uh, less traveled by. So I totally agree with Mac on clothing will be essential. Anything else that's you know, beyond um, with the remains to help, you know, give an idea uh, of what, you know, the, the manner of death is, is also um, very important. And, and so you can, everybody can surmise without the body. And that's why I said earlier, I said, you know, to have a no body charge, it, that's, a, that's very tough to do. Um, so now, now they have, you know, second bite at this apple and hopefully the evidence that's not being revealed is very telling. We don't know uh, what I, remains were found even. Mm. We have no idea. No idea. Um, so we, what, we, what, have, we, we don't know anything. We don't know whether it was one bone. I, okay. I mean, I think that we don't, it says remains were founded, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know. That is for, yeah. for sure. Um, but I do know this. And Gen X Granny, who's a mod, says, please drag your index finger and hit that like button. That helps us a lot. It gets the algorithm chugging, as my kids say. Uh, Twyla Olson, to you, Jeremy, if Barry is charged again with the original, will the original prosecutors get the case? And do they start from scratch? Good legal question. So, like I, I said this earlier in the in the podcast, um, it can be charged in really two jurisdictions now. So Watch County um, and the original county, Chafee County. So the original prosecutors on this case were Linda Stanley uh, and Jeff Lindsay. Jeff Lin- Lindsay has left that jurisdiction, um, has gone to a neighboring jurisdiction. He would not be prosecuting the case. Linda Stanley could remain as prosecutor on the case, um, although my opinion should be way in way over her head. Um, or we could have the Sawwatch prosecutors prosecuting the case. But with the Sawwatch prosecutors, they're good, but they're again a very small jurisdiction. What Colorado should do on a case like this is they have special units um, from the attorney general's office that can come down um, and prosecute uh, homicides when the jurisdiction is too small to handle the case. So what should happen is that a prosecutor from the AG's office, the Colorado State Attorney General's office, should come down and prosecute the case. The problem is, like I said, speedy trial doesn't restart. Iris is going to know this case back and forth and she's going to be able to defend this case at a much higher level than any prosecutor is going to be able to come in and prosecute with a week or two weeks or a month uh, under their belt. So if they do charge Barry, um, it's going to be once somebody is ready to go in and prosecute this case because they don't want it kicked on speedy trial. And the the defense is going to be ready. Uh, Roxanne A says her body was found by accident. Uh, they weren't looking for her when they found her. They had stopped looking. Uh, that must be according uh, to some reports. And then KCL coming back into the chat. Suzanne had gotten a large inheritance, and it makes me sick that Barry got that money. 
he's using it in part to pay for his defense. So, uh, again, a lot of times, uh, fact is stranger than fiction. These stories, uh, just especially this one, um, is just bizarro. And then we've got Maui Swift back in. Barry Morphew is a very controlling guy. Uh, there are certainly reports of that. Uh, Scott Duffy, so we said this raises a lot more uh, questions and answers. And one of those questions now is, did Barry Morphew have the time? Investigators have to look um, if um, he would have had time to just kill Suzanne, to drive 40 minutes to a field on the east side of Sawatch, uh, bury her in this shallow grave, and then uh, retrace his journey on Highway 285 north to Broomfield. Uh, Jeremy knows the area better. But what about uh, figuring out a timeline? Um, is that sort of step one now with investigators, Scott, as it relates to uh, Barry Morphew to, to just see if there was time for him to actually commit this crime in the window that was available? Yeah, but I'm a little confused, Joel, with regards to either the time to commit the crime or dispose of the evidence and thereby the body. So those are two different aspects. And with regards to the GPS and his, you know, we've talked plenty of uh, with regards to another case of putting a phone in airplane mode. And, and so more times than not, people do not put their phone in airplane mode, except for very specific reasons. It's called airplane mode because you're getting on an airplane. And uh, so thereby not to interfere with one thing or another, put it in airplane mode. And, and then people will shut their phones off if they're at a conference or if they're in some sort of um, uh, worship services where somebody may say, hey, just so you're not interfering. And so people follow these patterns with regards to their phone. And, and so when we see people going outside their pattern behavior and putting their phones in airplane mode because they've heard that, oh, it can't be tracked and thereby it can't trace what I'm doing. And so thereby I have something to conceal. So in that regard, um, it, it will, you know, investigators, I, I would imagine believe that they had a crime scene and um, and then blew out of the water the at least the early alibis with regards to uh, what Barry was putting out and and so I I always go back to the other if if not him then who and if and if it is someone else and always been someone else, why would a person, because we always start with the inner circle and you want to rule out that inner circle and then go outside. And if, if the inner circle is giving you tremendous uh, reasons to stay in that inner circle and they're not ruling themselves out, then, you know, you, you, you go with where that evidence is taking you. And, that, and part of that is the statements that are made. Why do people lie? People lie for many different reasons. But in an investigation that concerns them and, uh, um, you know, are you the cult? That's all they're asking. We don't care if you had an affair. We don't care if you did this or did that. We don't care of prior arguments that might have gone into physical. Just come clean. Ultimately, if you're not the one who caused her disappearance, subsequent death, and, and now, of course, 
partial or whatever remains are found, then so be it. We've checked you off the list and you're not our suspect. So, you know, these, the, the, your, your question, the question I guess now is, okay, so if, if in fact there is nothing on the truck or the phone that indicate where the remains are, um, to, to automatically say, okay, so we have him going up there. If you don't have that, then you have to ask the, the other question, were these remains placed there relatively soon after the homicide? Were the remains moved subsequently? Were they, rem- were they moved well after he got out? I, you know, all these things come into place. Um, and there's a lot of uh, uh, definitely new questions to, to be answered. And so it's not so much did he have time to commit the crime, but now you have where was the body placed immediately afterwards and was it secondarily moved? You can see the wheels turning in Scott's uh, investigative mind. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it in a few minutes because I cannot afford Jeremy's billable hours. we got a legal question here um, from Maui Swift. Uh, the judge sanctioned the state's experts due to discovery violations. Will that still stand if he is recharged, uh, Jeremy? So the sanctions are there. Uh, the prosecution can absolutely file a motion to um, have those sanctions reconsidered. Uh, but right now, the sanctions stand. A- anything can be changed. It doesn't necessarily do away with the discovery violations. But what I can tell you is if they do recharge Barry Morphew, it will be a very short leash. The people, um, the state of Colorado will need to have all their ducks in a row. Uh, otherwise, uh, the sanctions would absolutely come back and be even more severe. Uh, I think that the judicial system is fed up with the inept prosecution in this case. And that's why there were sanctions on such a high profile case. And so um, they can be reconsidered. They could be changed. Uh, with that being said, um, if they are reconsidered and changed, uh, it, it is going to be a very, very, very watchful eye of the court. Mm. Uh, Mike Skidmore here. A couple interesting comments back to back. If Barry killed Suzanne in the morning, he had all day to move the body. Did he put his phone on a dog in the yard because it was buzzing around the yard? Was a dog carrying the phone in the yard? That's one question uh, or comment followed by this one. He dumped evidence the day of then probably moved uh, the body later to saw watch. And then we've got a comment, Scott Duffy, from a guy named Brian Wayne on YouTube that I uh, pulled out for this episode. And he writes, Barry had four hours of his phone turned to airplane mode, which you were just talking about. Close to Suzanne's remains uh, where they were found is a construction company called Remy Construction near mile marker 113 Highway 17 in Moffat, Moffat, Colorado. I bet Barry did landscaping work in the area for them. Um, Scott, what are the chances investigators are going to see if Barry Morphew was ever at this place called Remy Construction right near where these remains were found, according to Brian Wayne? Yeah, and... Then and more so, I, I don't know the area at all, but everything leading up to from from the uh, um, from the crime scene, at least what what we believe to be the crime scene, that is the residence, and and then 
from there to to where the you know partial remains or whatever w- was identified as being that of uh, uh, Suzanne Morphew. So, um, yeah, it's it's I can guarantee you they're going through whatever businesses, residences, and then trying to pull, you know, so now you have a secondary location and they're going to try to match up whatever it is historically um, with regards to Barry to, to try to put him there at some point. And, uh, you know, three years later, is it is a difficult task. I would imagine there are no uh, surveillance footage left that, that just, three years, not possible. Um, but there are some ways, whether it be witnesses or people he knows or whatever it is. Yeah. They absolutely are checking every imaginable, um, location to see if they can put him closer, uh, to that area. Uh, shout out to Ned Smith for the super sticker. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for everything. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was just going to say, I was just looking at, uh, something released on the news, there are essentially, the news is talking about there were five missing people and bodies found essentially in this area since July 26 and 23. Um, Crystal Reiner, we talked about Edna Quintana, a man whose body was found on July 26. And uh, the Morphew um, attorney is releasing what, who are these other five people why were they all located or went missing in the same area? Um, you know, they're releasing information as we speak. Uh, it was a shallow grave uh, and not uh, where the prosecutor said uh, in a snowy area where they couldn't reach her body for, you know, a number of seasons. Because that's what the prosecutor initially said is, we know where she's at. We just can't reach it because of the snow. I'm not sure if the if your listeners remember that, but yeah. that couldn't be further from the truth. This is you know high a dry desert field of sagebrush and national natural gas grass. I'm sorry, um, in a shallow grave, and so this would not have been a difficult area for anybody to get to. Mm. Um, all great points, and that is uh, true. What uh, Jeremy was just saying, Bella Talia, right now. Uh, what about all the nail marks on his arms, pictures, and court documents? We have that, by the way. Special shout out here to Martin Smallwood, who uh, works closely with Kurt Simpson, who was supposed to be a guest on the show. Martin actually has been investigating this from the Republic of Ireland, believe it or not. He was on our show last time. He says Barry had a five hour window between. 22:21 p.m. May 9th and 3:23 a.m. May 10th. If anyone knows this, uh, Mr. Smallwood knows all the big details in this case. Uh, he has literally been investigating this as thoroughly as someone like Scott Duffy would. Um, so I'm going to trust him on this information right here. And Martin, we'll have to get you back on the show uh, and send our well wishes uh, to Kurt Simpson. Um, you know. Jeremy, just back to this whole notion of public opinion, the court of public opinion. I mean, you can you can feel it um, in this episode that people are, you know, thirsty uh, in terms of getting justice uh, and pinning it on Barry Morphew. He showed up to that motel that night with two shovels. Granted, he's a landscaper, but um, for the defense attorney uh, and for, you know, 
you and others, um, but Iris Aton, how much of an uphill battle is it to kind of quash all the reports, the media, the negative innuendo and all that? I mean, how difficult is that? You know, there's there's change of venue motions and things like that. We're dealing with small jurisdictions. So, you know, almost everybody would have heard of the case. Unfortunately, oftentimes as a defense attorney, the people that never hear about uh, cases that you're trying that are high profile or high publicity are the ones that don't watch the news or are only watching things that are not relevant to um, your educated viewer, right? And so we end up with people who just don't know anything about anything on a jury. And so uh, it is not unheard of when there's a high profile case to do a change of venue. And I would not be surprised as the publicity of this case continues and even grows and the mysteriousness of this case grows that the prosecution or the defense, if they were to waive speedy trial, um, ask for a change of venue. And so that's one way to get around it. Um, but I've also found that a lot of our citizens are able to put some publicity behind them and focus on the facts and give people the presumption of innocence and make sure that the prosecu prosecution proves the case beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a high burden in America. And just because someone they think may be guilty, that doesn't mean the prosecution's proved it. And so the court of public opinion is a much lower standard than the court of law. And I can't reiterate that enough. And so just because we think somebody did it doesn't mean that it can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, Brian Wayne uh, basically commenting about what Jeremy just read. Sources say Suzanne's remains were found in a 300-acre desert area, sage grass that's getting developed seven miles north of Moffat, mile marker 113, Highway 17, shallow graves, scattered bones. Um, again, uh, when the, the state was asked about this, prosecutors were asked about this, they did um, basically say they knew that where the body was. They just couldn't get to it because it was such a snowy area. But this would go contrary uh, to that. And that is what Jeremy was just talking about. Um, this comment here, and then we're going to wrap up in literally 30 seconds. Um, how would he have put the body uh, in the shallow grave? Did he use another vehicle? His truck doesn't show him in the area. These are all interesting questions, Scott. Uh, the the uh, a Denver newspaper literally threw out a ton of questions, Scott. I'm going to rattle off a few uh, just to get your take. Uh, they're asking, was Suzanne Morphew kidnapped? Was she murdered? If she was murdered, where was she killed? Uh, was there more than one person involved in her disappearance? What does the second set of remains mean? Um, will the old guard, which has been investigating, continue to investigate? But these are there's a zillion questions now, Scott Duffy. So uh, you as the investigator, uh, you know, we're doing shows on this. Uh, I'm sure CBS 48 Hours, which is re-airing their um, Morphew case on YouTube right now, is going to get back at it. But you're the one, as an investigator, who has to go home and uh, muddle through all this uh, work. Uh, where do you begin with this, Scott Duffy? It, it's not so much where you begin, but where you continue to go. If the evidence led investigators ultimately to charge, even though, as as it seems like there's a whole lot of some confusing uh, uh, cir you know, uh, circumstances, and and ultimately 
those charges are dismissed, it doesn't mean that the prosecution or that the the investigators stop doing their job. And and you know, with when somebody who has been charged and believed to be the sole suspect gets out, there are things that can happen that maybe we don't know and perhaps with some embarrassment and some um egg on their face as how this this transpired there is a whole set of convinced investigators that this is our guy maybe had help with the crime scene cleanup and a disposal of body but this is our guy who ultimately committed the murder by getting out investigators have a whole another set of things to to look at um and follow so it, it's going to take us back to the original question at the beginning of the show is it really unrelated uh that investigators have absolutely no connection to the morphew case and and now we may have this 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 burial ground of other potential victims um it raises a whole nother set of questions, but but remember the original investigators to the Morphew case, it's either going to con- help um, prove additional facts and gather evidence, um, or it's going to take them in a whole different direction. And that's really hard, especially from what I've read um, on this case so far, that it would be something totally turned upside down. And from that, everybody got it wrong. It, it's it's um, just, it's blown up. Yeah, uh, Miranda Lee, uh, glad you found us too. I'm glad we found you, member for one month. Thank you for becoming a YouTube member. Uh, this is an interesting comment in light of the fact that we've got Rachel Moore's attorney, the uh, family attorney, and family members coming on. Rachel Moore's boyfriend looked real bad until DNA. He's an ex-convict uh, with a decent rap sheet, and everyone was pointing the finger at him. Um, you know, defense attorneys do have a role in this country. Uh, you can make fun of them and most people do, but, uh, you know, they make big bucks, I guess, for a reason. Cause, uh, you know, if you're the husband, they're immediately pointing the finger at you, not to say that it is not Barry Morphew, but not to say it is Barry Morphew. For those who do not know, Scott Duffy, not only a friend of the show and a friend of mine, now that we met at CrimeCon and we'll talk about CrimeCon on tomorrow's show, Great Scott, it's your true crime fill tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but Scott is a retired FBI special agent out of the Delaware office. Uh, you just heard this area in uh, Colorado is bigger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined. But uh, Scott Duffy, big cheese in Wilmington, Delaware. And prior to that, uh, he was a Commonwealth of PA police officer for five and a half years. Jeremy Lowe, who bills gazillions of dollars an hour and is kind enough to come and spare some time with us. Uh, He is a former Colorado State public defender turned criminal defense attorney. Uh, He's smart as they come. Did we just lose him? No, we didn't lose him. How could I lose him right at the uh, outro here? Uh, Jeremy, um, what's your prediction for how this all unfolds? Do you have one? You know, I think it's really early to tell. I think the prosecution is still going to really focus on Barry Morphew um, because they don't want to eat that crow, frankly. They don't want to look silly, especially with a lawsuit pending 
where he's asking for $15 million. Um, they don't want to look ridiculous. And um, let's hope they got it right from the beginning. Um, but, you know, it goes back to what, what Scott said, like, somebody led somebody to this. And the fact that there's multiple remains found tells me that it very well could be someone else. Um, unless Barry Morphew's, you know, a serial killer, right? And I don't think people necessarily are, are jumping to that. So I have I have serious doubts of, of whether or not he did this. Spoken like a true defense attorney. I am not T-Pain, one of our mods. Don't wander off too far. We've got a two for tonight, double shows. I don't know how I'm going to get through the next one. We are going to be talking about the upcoming Charlie Adelson trial and the Dan Markell murder case, the FSU law professor who was gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back in 2014. He went to Harvard undergrad and Harvard Law School with um, Dave Arenberg, who I also met at CrimeCon, and we're going to get back on the show to discuss that case. But a huge thanks to both Jeremy and Scott for coming on on this show and tomorrow scott will be back with the great phil waters america's most respected detective until then love you america love you colorado delaware the republic of ireland pennsylvania and everywhere near and far between final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.